And it is TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast, and we are back. I'm here with Ryan Price. Ryan Price is the casual fan. We talked to him to find out how the casual fan sees things, because sometimes when you're on the outside, you see things more clearly than when you're on the inside. Ryan, how are you today? Well, thanks, John. How are you? Pretty good. Well, it was an exciting weekend. We saw the emergence of Joe Joyce as a force, a juggernaut, if you will, in the heavyweight division. We both watched the fight live. Let's get your immediate reaction, Ryan. Well, it was quite the fight. Uh, I don't think you could ask for a better fight. I mean, 11th round knockout, and what a knockout. Um, I mean, my impress, you know, again, respect for both guys. Uh, you know, Joyce was, you just had to watch the post fight interviews and you saw the difference of um, the damage that was sustained and uh, for the amount of damage he took and he was you know he went out he was still swinging in the 11th round uh it was very exciting but george joyce was massively impressive i mean i have to admit i haven't watched enough of his previous fights you know i've watched highlights from some of them and uh you know he always seemed like a force but i was definitely impressed uh from my i know uh, somebody uh, made the comment and i wish i could quote it because it was on twitter and uh the basic, uh, you know, there was a line from Mike Tyson where he said, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And yeah. um, someone wrote a line on Twitter, and I'm sorry, wherever you are out there, uh, if you hear this, um, I'm not taking credit for it. You said it. But they said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, unless you're Joe Joyce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What an because, impressive chin. Because he's able to keep his plan going, even if he gets punched square with a shot that... Yeah. I think Joseph Parker landed at least, I would say, three, four shots that should have been stagger, staggering the opponent or dropping the opponent, would yeah. you say? Oh, for sure. Yeah, at, le- at the very least, stagger. I mean, there were yeah. solid shots, and yeah. you just saw no, almost no reaction. Uh, he just kept moving forward. It's unbelievable. Well, he's got the greatest poker face. He holds his, his expression in a way that you would think. But, of course, he did say, by the way, in the, in the post-fight interviews, I don't know how much you saw, but... Um, he said, "Make no mistake about it; it hurt." Yeah. So he for wasn't. Sure. Uh, he wasn't claiming. Oh yeah, no. What you saw? Hurt. I mean, his his head. His, you know, his head did. Uh, it was snapping back at points. I mean, it, there was some really hard shots. Yeah. So. It's so, hurt. Joseph Parker didn't in any way disgrace himself. I think Do- Joseph Parker confirmed that he belongs in the top ten, and I think he confirmed his ability to adjust. He had a good game plan. Maybe. He could have come in a little lighter. Maybe he could have boxed a little more. But I think even with a different adjustments, it was Joe Joyce's night, and there was no doubt about it. He was the better man on the night, and uh, absolutely acknowledged by Joseph Parker after the uh, fight. No excuses. Yeah, yeah. No so, excuses. Um, no which excuses you, at all. Which, again, uh, uh, you know, you, you have to respect that. I, I, I uh, did watch the post-fight, and... Uh, it's definitely it's impressive to see someone where they just they said you know I we I stuck to my plan and I did my best, uh, but the, the, I just I got beat. And that's the way it is. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, that does happen. And I think there's a, sort of a, an acceptance or perhaps a slow learning curve for fans watching to accept that not every heavyweight can remain undefeated all the time. And losing does not mean that you won't be back or that you won't improve. Joseph Parker wants to get back in the ring sooner rather than later. I mean, that's not for us to say, but what he's really saying is that, sure, he'll heal and he'll train, but he doesn't want to drift away from the learning curve that he's on to become a better heavyweight. And this is part of that learning curve. He says if uh, he spends too much time away, 
with his family and taking it easy. He drifts away from the sport and has to rebuild again upon his return where he's, he'd like to build on this. What do you think? Uh, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, just in the sense of floats, we all know what it's like to, you know, contend with family and uh, working life and uh, for sure it's a, it's a fine balance. Um, I mean, I don't know enough about that, that world that they're living in as far as I'm assuming that when someone's going off and not boxing, that they're still training or stay in shape, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, honestly, I think in that zone, it's different for different different heavyweights. I think yeah. they've all got their own way. I think uh, certain heavyweights, they stay in shape perpetually. Other heavyweights, they drift away from fighting shape and then work their way back into it during training. So right. that's to each his own. But what about, let's go to Joe Joyce now, the winner. Um, he is firmly in the top five. Um, yeah. So, some, uh, sure. some would say top six, I guess. The general consensus, and again, there's as with everything, there isn't always a consensus, but the general consensus is that Tyson Fury is the number one man, Alexander Usyk is the number two. Three and four could be switched between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Now, the consensus is still holding that Andy Ruiz Jr. is number five, and now Joe mm. Joyce is solidly number six. Yeah. Some are suggesting that Joe Joyce should actually be above Andy Ruiz Jr., but Andy Ruiz Jr. has a bigger pedigree, and he's also been the former unified champion. Yeah. He's just come off a victory over Luis Ortiz, which can't be overlooked. Um, it's as significant easily as a fight and a win over Joseph Parker. So the juggernaut, Joe Joyce, uh, do you consider him, based on what you saw, and you've obviously seen the other top heavyweights in the top four or five, how much of a threat do you consider him to be, in your mind's eye, to those uh, those five guys on top, how would you see it? Uh, well, I, I won't, I'm not going to be the first person to say it, uh, but I think he would give anybody trouble. Yeah, I think he would give from 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 one to five above him. I think they would all have a, have their hands full. Yep, I I can't disagree with that. I think that is the that is the paradigm shift that has occurred with Joe Joyce. And yeah. It has just made it difficult, you know, with Joe Joyce's sudden emergence. Uh, it's made it hard for people like Tyson Fury or Alexander Usyk, if they were to step off the stage in the next two or three fights, to say that there was no one else to fight or that there were no major challenges out there. And he's added a name to that, which, of course, does extend uh, the top of the heavyweight division. Because one of the reasons that heavyweights at the top often retire is they say, well, there's no one else to fight that really brings to the table the kind of money they're looking for and the kind of recognition they want, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we'll have to see what happens with Joe Joyce. Hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. Yeah, I hope so. In, ter I in terms so. of his next fight, it probably won't be against anyone in the top five. I think you can pretty much guarantee that. But I think it'll be interesting to see whether they uh, take on someone. Now, he is the WBO interim heavyweight champion. Yeah, so, can I can I ask yeah. you about that for a second? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so the WBO belt is held by Alexander Usyk. Alexander Usyk. Yes. So the reason that there's an interim belt was because at one point it was vacated. I don't. No, I, no. this is I'm where not... you know it's hard for me to explain to any casual fan the justification for all this. This this bout should have been for the WBO mandatory position. That's what it was right. originally penciled in as, and that was the original intent. So in other words, the winner would be the mandatory for the WBO but it was decided to make it for the vacant WBO heavyweight championship. Now that really is the same thing in the sense you are the mandatory for the for the real title, the WBO title. 
you're holding the interim title. Now, yeah. one would think the reason for an interim title would be because the regular champion is out of action or something, but that's not the case. So, again, it's really hard to explain the illogical, but I, I think the reason for it, and let's be clear, and it's been said before by others, that boxing is a business disguised as a sport. Right. And I think if you cut down to the confusion and the things that frustrate everyone and you consider that basic line, you see what's happening. So I think it was just to promote the event. Okay. I think to okay. make the event more appealing on the ground and sell more tickets. But he doesn't have a, so he doesn't have a, he's, he doesn't have a shot at uh, Usyk like guaranteed or anything like he does. No, he, he, is does. The, okay. he is the mandatory for Usyk. That's for sure. Okay. I think, I think the reason, another reason, again, since we're digging around that, that subject is that as the WBO interim heavyweight champion, he has the ability to make money defending that interim title while he waits right. to challenge for the unified title, which Usyk or right. whoever holds the unified title will have in the next little while. When I say the next little while, that could be two years. I mean, uh, this sport yeah, moves so slow. And I think, for, so if you look at um, what's on the table for Joyce, he's probably looking at his, don't mark me on this as being correct, but I think what they're going to do now is have him defend his WBO interim heavyweight championship against someone in the uh, in the top 15 of the WBO. Someone who is credible, but not going to upset the apple cart in terms of um, Joyce getting a shot at the main title, right, which is the right. unified title. Or perhaps the undisputed championship. I mean, um, the plan, which never goes through the way it should, was for Tyson Fury to fight Alexander Usyk. We would have an undisputed heavyweight champion. Yeah. And then the undisputed champion would go through the rotation of defending against the mandatories from the four major sanctioning belts. That was the plan. Right. Right. Um, not going to happen yeah, right now. Yeah. No. It's and, not and I happen. think. And, and the, it's. it's yeah. Sorry. I, it's. It's. It's one of those things that I, that you sort of have to get used to in the sense of, with all these belts, there's something that's very exciting about it because it keeps it somewhat real. Not having, you know, like most sports have a governing body, mm. and most sports I find, uh, it's it's they become sort of overly. I don't know what the word is commercial in some ways. Well, they, they just get... uh, there's something that's not real about them. Absolutely. They're, you know, well, um, it's it's an acknowledgement that there isn't just one force. In other words, right. we do have sanctioning bodies. Yeah, like like the NFL in football. Yeah, I suppose the WBC could be considered an NFL of sorts, except sure. its teams can operate in other leagues. Yeah, and even disappear from the league. Right, depending on what happens. So it would be like if the NFL had. Uh, three other major leagues in North America and those leagues could poach teams or, you know, in each team yeah, exactly. independent. I mean, it's hard to imagine, right? No, it's hard to imagine at this point in time, um, which makes, I find that actually makes it a confusing, but exciting in some ways, as far as watching boxing, but at the same time, it does come at the costs, you know, because if it was an overall business, yes, I think what the fans want yes. is fairly and, obvious. And it's gone through phases like that. I think uh, to some extent when Don King had control of the heavyweight division in the 80s, right. uh, late, late 80s, and um, well, let's just say late 80s for the sake of argument, and into the 90s, and of course he's had relative control all the way through. In fact, he just put on a, um, an event down in Florida recently, uh, which doesn't compare to his heyday, but during his okay. heyday, Don King would have had so many of the top heavyweights signed to him right? that he was able to have title defenses and things going on and keeping his guys in the loop. So if, if one of his guys lost, another one of his guys won. So in a sense, he was controlling the division. Like you would so, see- a, So at this point in time, it's it's much less 
much less so. It's not, uh, not so much of a monopoly. It's, it's too yeah, spread. I mean, it's, uh, even though, again, I think Frank Warren, the, mm -hmm. uh, the promoter, co-promoter for Tyson Fury with Bob Arum, I think the two of them are angling. I mean, again, it's hard to say. I mean, but Frank Warren's leading the charge. I think his goal is to get control of the heavyweight division. He's right. got Daniel Dubois right now as the WBA mm -hmm. regular heavyweight champion. And uh, that means that Daniel Dubois is the mandatory for the WBA belt some, at some point in the future when that's called. Right. You've got Joe Joyce, who is the mandatory for the WBO now. Now, Joe yeah. Joyce is controlled by Frank Warren. Tyson Fury has the WBC belt and the lineal championship. Alexander Usyk is a free agent with K2 Promotions, and he's got three of the major belts, but not the lineage and not the acknowledged number one position. Um, you go to the IBF, and you've got Philip Hergovic, who is now the mandatory. He's with Matchroom and Souderland, so he's a bit of an outsider. But you, if you look at the picture that I described, you can see how Frank Warren has the potential to become the man at heavyweight. Yeah, to make some And moves. if you become the man at heavyweight, when I say the man, I mean the man who controls heavyweight, you become the person who controls boxing. Right. Which right. could be, which could be good at this could, point in time. I mean, there's just, there is you, there's so many fights that you want to see. Right. And, and that's the thing. And, and I, it's, I think for us to see the kind of fights we want to see, there's going to have to be a slow cook here. I think a lot of the heavyweights are surprised. I mean, for example, um, a Dillian White or a Joe Joyce or uh, even an Andy Ruiz during the days, perhaps let's go back, uh, say four or five years, losing in those contests with the popularity the sport didn't have at the time. Mm -hmm. You would have seen a lot of those heavyweights fade into oblivion because the um, the paydays weren't there for them to do it again relative to what they made from the, the, the shot they got. Whereas right now, I think the popularity of the division is at such a level that even if uh, Dillian White or Joseph Parker lose lose those recent fights, which they have, they're very marketable yeah. and they're very much sought after. So there's a lot of demand for these characters. I think, uh, when I say characters, I mean the, the persona that's out there in the yeah, press, sure. not the actual athletic, you know, com combatant. Yeah. Um, so we hope that there's going to be more happening. If you look at the top heavyweight schedule right now, it's pretty thin. Um, yeah. Again, you've got yeah, Deontay Wilder. Gone, yeah. yeah, we've gone through a patch and it seems to have this funny silence that happens. It's really odd. You know, you look at all the heavyweights in the top 30 and you ask yourself the question, what are they doing? What's going on? And maybe in a future show, what we'll do is we'll bring on some heavyweights that have kind of been quiet for a while and see if they want to talk about what they're dealing with. Yeah. You can pretty much assume that each fight for these guys at this point, at that level, unless it's a, unless it's a journeyman, unless they're doing a, a record padding fight, they're taking a risk with their career. Yeah. And they want to be paid appropriately. And not just them, but there's a lot of people behind these heavyweights that have invested a lot of money in building them up. And they're looking for a return on investment, right? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, we talked about Anthony Joshua at a very high level. Um, if he had taken, now again, we're talking about the Tyson Fury thing in a sec, yeah. but if that had gone through, it would have been a massive boon to the business that he's in and all of his investors. Yeah, I think you said last time how, how that could be a bigger fight than... We could, just because of the sheer, the um, sheer, um, what's the word for it? I guess uh, they're both, Usyk is nowhere near as popular market. and marketable yeah. as they are just because of the time spent building their, their yeah. fan bases. Um, yeah. But again, that fight has apparently fallen apart. 
I think that's what's happened. Uh, there's still some rumblings that there's discussions going on, but I wouldn't hold my breath. No. And of course, with that, Tyson Fury plans to fight on December 3rd as we move through these subjects. Um, and there's some very ominous clouds on the distance in terms of who he will be facing. I don't know what you've heard as the casual fan. I've, I've, to be honest, I've, I'm, I'm now Good. at my, uh, my level. I, I, I yeah. knew that the fight had sort of fallen through with AJ. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Well, I, that's all. We'll I leave it at this. There, it looks like there's a possibility that Tyson Fury will be taking on an opponent with no, uh, no, uh, no chance and no business being in the ring with him. I'm not going to talk about that person right now. People want to find okay. out more. They can look elsewhere. But hmm. um, well, okay, let's go through it. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, why I'm, not? I'm, I'll tell you. I'm curious. I, I feel. I'm curious. You see, this is the thing. When you talk to a casual fan, you always have to explain what's happening. Yeah. It's very. <laughs> that's it, very and confusing. It comes, and it yeah. comes from me, or it comes from us, the diehard fans. And the problem is, of course, is it sounds like we're defending something which makes no sense because right. we're explaining it. Yeah. Anyways, of course. So the, the fighter's name is. Mahmoud Char, and he is being touted as the, a potential challenger for Tyson Fury's WBC lineal title on December 3rd. He has not won a significant fight in over 10 years, and he is probably, if you were generous to this guy, I mean, let's put it this way, any surging undefeated heavyweight in the top 60 would beat him. Oh, you're kidding me. Yes. So, but he's okay. somehow hanging on down there. He's in the, uh, I guess, if you had to put him somewhere in the world, he's probably ranked 53 or 52. But wow. even that's so how, a bit, how, yeah. How why? has, well, yeah, and how? How did someone It's I in think, that position? Well, there's two things that could be going on here. One, that Tyson Fury wants a defense or Frank Warren wants him to take a defense that is a guaranteed not going to lose. Right. That's yeah. And again, you made the point earlier. What's the point in these fights, right? Mm -hmm. I think, and I'm hoping, and I'm being hopeful here. I think that he, the name of Char is being bantered about to negotiate or to create a negotiating position for Tyson Fury with another heavyweight or heavyweights, two or three, to put them in, into, into a more negotiable state. Okay. All right. And that's okay. what I think. I think Aja Kabiel or Odo Valin. Right. Or, um, but Otto Valin, that would be interesting as a rematch. Yeah, I know that's a rematch. Yeah. And that, that, a was rematch. A, that was a tough fight for, uh, if I recall. A it tough was. Fight for... And a lot of the sanctioning bodies um, and the rankings uh, that are independently done out there online and in print um, are elevating Otto Valin, not based on his recent fights, even though he's, he's, he beat uh, mm -hmm. Dominic Brazil and he had a recent mm -hmm. uh, warm up fight against um, Rydell Booker just outside of Detroit. Um, his credibility has been constantly going up as Tyson Fury's credibility has been going up. So it's almost mm -hmm. seen as sort of that he was the guy who could take, take Tyson Fury to the line. Right, right. And a lot of that had to do with that cut. Um, yeah. I, I don't yeah, want to comment on, I no, don't know what to no. say about that. I, I just think no. that Otto Valin has some building to do. You, I've always been hesitant to hype up a heavyweight based on a credible loss. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, it's never really worked out, and it makes me think of uh, Razor Ruddock, who um, right. had two great fights with Mike Tyson that he lost. And he had a, you know, after that, he took a fight or two against lower-level opposition, and then he had a showdown for the WBC um, mandatory position against an, an, an up-and-coming heavyweight named Lennox Lewis. 
And the feeling was that Ruddock was way too much for Lewis based on what he had done with Tyson. Now, Lewis put Ruddock away in the second round, and it was yeah. one of those boom moments, which, by the way, has been compared to Joe Joyce's performance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just think that Odo Valin, he got a lot of credibility from that loss. He's a very good fighter. He belongs, I believe, in the top 15, top 20. I'm not sure he belongs in the top 10, and that's where some people are putting him. Oh, are they? And uh, I'm not questioning that. I, I just think that he has not done, aside from the loss to Tyson Fury, he hasn't done anything to really belong there. Right. But the loss to Tyson Fury is what is bringing him up. Right. So right. we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's... Again, there's a whole bunch of other heavyweights out there. I mean, if Tyson Fury, I just think that uh, he's going to take a soft touch on December 3rd. And hmm. that's just the way it is. And it's going to be kind of disappointing. So you think that fight will, uh, it will go through? That's a very good point. Actually, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the year were to elapse and Tyson Fury were not to fight right. until the spring. Right. Uh, right. just because of the business of boxing, which doesn't yeah. always and rarely somehow line up with the objective of having a, a yeah. surging uh, sport, which really generates interest, you know? Yeah. And it's you very, go, it's, it's very hard to, um, it's very hard to read it as a, as a casual fan. Cause you sort of watch Fury and, you know, it's starting immediately with his uh, announcement that he was going to retire yeah. uh, and you're like, ah, you know, it didn't. It didn't really feel like it was sincere. But at the same time, it set a sort of tone where it's kind of like, well, he's obviously not in a. I mean, he he's financially, I'm sure, quite set well, he, in life. I mean, oh, he is for sure. But you know, uh, you think you you would want to go down in history as uh, undisputed if you have the if you have the option of doing it, and, and he does seem like he has the confidence to say that he could be that guy. Well, again, it's hard. To, it's a very cynical business behind the curtains. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he might say or they might say, let's say the business of Tyson Fury. And again, I'm just surmising here. I don't know. But it could be that, well, by by announcing my retirement while I was jogging down the road doing an Instagram video, um, I created more interest. I yeah, gained my course. following. I got myself all over the news. My name, Tyson yeah. Fury, is now more brandable, yada, yada, yada. If I had just said, well, I've defended my title against Dillian White, and uh, I expect to be defending my title in about four or five months, and I look forward to who the number one challenger will be. Well, that's very sporting, and that's very normal, and that makes a lot of sense, yeah. but it's just not as headline yeah, grabbing. Yeah, it's not as headline grabbing. Yeah, so sure. he's a headline grabber, and he'll say oh, whatever yeah. to grab headlines, and you can't... Uh, can't no, you can't. No, no, you no. definitely can't. You definitely can't. You just, you just, it's, it's understanding those things and, and just still wrestling with the, um, the frustration of just being well, like, I wanna, you want to see fights. You yeah, and, see and fights. you want to see the best fights. And also you want the best fights to be, um, grabbing the attention of mm -hmm. people like you, the casual fan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you would just, and, it would just seems like it'd be a shame if, if this moment was to pass without re reaching its potential just because of the cynical business, because you think it's a time period where it could be a golden age, it feels like. There's it, so many incredible fighters. I mean, it's amazing. The WBC put out a Twitter post where they said, the heavyweight division is, like they were talking about the the, the fight coming up or the result with Joe Joyce and uh, uh, Joseph Parker, and they were saying mm -hmm. the heavyweight division is on fire. That's the well, way it feels like it. I mean, it, I'm not, and I'm not sure if, if I'm but just... If you, but if you look at the schedule, it's... It's I the know. opposite of on fire. I know. Like I know. it's almost like there's more activity happening in the minds of people than is actually happening in the sport. Yeah. So, um, and of course, time will pass. Yeah, time and, passes. Um, That's time exactly passes, it. and there's nothing going to slow it down. And uh, I just think that we are in a wait and see period. We'll have to see what happens. If you look at what's going on right now, Tyson Fury. Okay, he's playing with everyone. Talking about December third, we'll probably get a 
an opponent which is not really a legitimate challenge. If we're lucky, we'll get Agat Kabiel. He is, you know, I think he's sort of ranked in the 30 to 20 area there, mm-hmm. and he has the potential to be better, but he's been yeah. insanely inactive over the last three years where he's taking one fight a year against a no-hope opponent. And that's what he's been doing right. and sort of holding on to his rankings. Mm-hmm. But he's mm-hmm. undefeated. He beat Derek Chisora when Chisora was in a much better place. Yeah. Well, that's argu- arguable, but let's say he was. And... um he would be the best. Um, who else is on the potential line? I don't know. Um, we've heard some names bandied about. Then you go down to Usyk. He's sort of taking it easy until the spring. He would like to fight the winner of Usyk. I'm sorry, Deontay Wilder and Robert Hellenius. I think he's obviously aiming for Deontay Wilder. Yeah. But even that's a, that's a hard one to understand it ever happening, only because the, the PBC, which manages Deontay Wilder, wants him to face off against Andy Ruiz Jr. in a WBC final eliminator. Sorry, they, they want they want Wilder to face if, Ruiz? If Wilder, they want Wilder to beat Hellenius. Yeah, obviously. Um, which is not a given. No. And no, no. Andy Ruiz fought a, a heavyweight eliminator against Luis Ortiz. Mm-hmm. He won it. The plan is on the PBC side of the pond to have Deontay Wilder face off with Andy Ruiz Jr. for the mandatory for the WBC heavyweight title. Okay. The winner of that. That's what they want to do. Right. So that's their shot at getting that's the title. That's their shot, yeah. yeah. Right. So would Usyk, uh, I mean, but if Deontay Wilder was offered a chance at Alexander Usyk, would the PBC hand him over or would Usyk make a deal with the PBC? Who knows? Right. I mean, Usyk right. is a road warrior. I could see... Yeah. Usyk going to fight in a stadium somewhere against uh, Deontay Wilder, and it would be massive in the States. Oh, it'd be huge. Huge event. Huge, huge event around the world. So that's yeah. where that is. Again, Deontay Wilder just talked about him. Anthony Joshua, he could be back in December against, it's not, I mean, at this point, I think to discuss him against Tyson Fury is a pipe dream. Yeah. He'll be back, hopefully in December, against an opponent, probably somewhere in the top 30. So he'll be doing the same thing as Fury, essentially. Like those top guys, I guess that's, if they yeah. don't have... If they're not lined up with each other, they're looking at guys where it's just like this is just a fight to add to my. Well, and well, also... I supposed to keep in keep in the sport, like to keep into the game of it, or I don't. Honestly, I think Tyson Fury right now to predict what he's actually doing and what's going on yeah. is just impossible. Yeah. Yeah. In the case, but of same Andy, with AJ, I suppose. Or do you think? Well, no, I think in AJ's case, he would be looking to start to rebuild his confidence, work on developing right. new skills, look at the weaknesses he had in the Usyk fight, see if he has strengthened those weaknesses, and if, as, and if he's in a better place to um, to build. That in other words, sense. he would want to take a fight where he can build and then win solidly and then take another one and then take another one and start to get himself yeah. to a higher level of capacity. So when he challenges for the Undisputed Championship or... Whoever, the, yeah. whatever the top spot is, yeah, he's got the he confidence. Can, he's got the confidence yeah. to do it, and he's not just coming off losses. Yeah, Andy Ruiz, yeah. Andy Ruiz Jr. is waiting for uh, Deontay Wilder, mm-hmm. and hopefully he's in the gym and he's in shape. Yeah, because it's interesting with Ruiz, because Ruiz didn't really take that route, did he? Like he kind of went from from losing to AJ. Well, he sort of I mean, lost to AJ, took a lot of time off. Um, did take a lot of time off, but then what, yeah. what was his and surgery? Fight? He had surgery as well. Oh right. Right. Yeah, so and then he came back against Chris Ariola, which, you know, had to be considered a given fight, but it was I guess hard, people, yeah. harder than people expected, but maybe that was the fight he needed. Mm-hmm. And then he took on uh, Luis Ortiz, which is highly credible. Yeah, and, yeah he was, and he was very impressive in that. He was impressive in that, but he, and he took a lot of shots. I mean, that guy's got a chin. Oh, yeah. You know, I, th- I think about Andy Ruiz Jr. and um, Joe Joyce, and that would be yeah. a battle of the chins. Oh, yeah, it would uh, be. That yeah. would be something else yeah. to see, I'll tell you. 
Yeah. Um, so that's where he's at. And then, of course, you've got Joe Joyce coming off a victory. We'll find out soon. And then you go down the list and Dillian White apparently maybe talking, looking at Joseph Parker. Uh, Dillian mm. White maybe talking to Daniel Dubois. We don't know. So that's mm. sort of, and then you go down the list and it sort of becomes a cloud of what's going to happen next. There's a lot of big guys down there who are ready to make the move. But again, it's a game of chess. And unfortunately, unlike the real game of chess, there is no timer forcing you to make a move at a certain point, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways. And like you say, a, log, a bit of a log jam. Yeah, log jam right now. Yeah. So that's about it, Ryan. Uh, anything yeah. else you'd like to throw in or any questions you have based on the current situation and how it stands? No, I think uh, it's, it's definitely helped uh, sort yeah. some of the things out. I was, I was confused about the Dell thing, so that's helpful. We're learning more. TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast. It's something a little different. I'm Sean, your host, and this is Ryan Price, the casual fan. For updates, always check out TopHeavyweights.com, and we'll see you soon.